Welcome back to Bobblehead Podcast for another episode in uh, life lessons based on the life and times of Ricky Bobby. Um, today, Tim and I actually talk about a really interesting topic surrounding failure. And it's based on a quote that happens with, with inside the movie. You'll see it, you'll hear it. Um, and we, we use some real life anecdotes in this. We talk about our kids, we talk about our colleagues, we talk about ourselves and about how a failure to try leads to you know overall failures in life and, and, and a lack of confidence. So super excited you guys are here and let's get started. If I'm still recovered from the weekend or not. Yeah, <laughs> haven't decided yet. Yeah, it's one of the, like, you, there's something about a long 4th of July weekend that just, as fun as it is, just takes the life out of you, man. You know what I've, um, I guess it's been the last three weeks, and I don't know why, but every time I get in the car, like, I'll get 10 minutes away wherever I'm going, and I start yawning. Yeah. Like, I get sleepy. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine before that. And then, and then I'll, you know, for the next 30 minutes, like, I'll just... <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? Like, I got a good night's rest. Sure. Feel fine. Is, is there a particular time of day that this happens? No. I mean, it could be, like, we can be going back into Dallas at, like, 6 at night. And I'm like, 10 minutes in the car. And I'm like, oh, here I go again. Yeah. I, I think it's frustrating. you know, patterns of life change as, as life evolves, right? As you get older, I think, you know. The, Are we going to blame it on patterns of life? The consumption of meals and, you know, yeah. nap, like, mandatory nap times and bedtimes. Just, it, it's they tend to shift left as it were. Yeah. And so, you know, something you might want to consider is a nap, like, like a nap or something. Am, am, I, am I the age now where I, <laughs> I need a nap now? You know, Hey, but I say that, man, like there's not a damn thing wrong with a nap. Okay. So here's my thing with naps is it takes me forever to go to sleep. And once I go to sleep, if I sleep for 10 minutes, I'm great. If I sleep for like 30 minutes, you get the grumpy bear. Really? Oh my gosh. Grumpy bear times 10 it's ugly and i'm just done like the rest of the day i'm just done i I don't i don't like it at all and those around me really don't like it how long does it take you to fall asleep for a nap usually about 20 minutes does it really yeah dude but you're you're military you learn this stuff there's i I can fall asleep i could crawl if you were like hey devin go and take a nap i'd crawl into this chair and be asleep literally within minutes so i I had a guy that worked for us for a while that was i think i told you about was a 20-year navy seal and he goes, I could I could literally fall asleep standing on my head because mm-hmm. you learned you have to. It's the only time you can get it. You learn to just relax and get it, and then wake up and boom, be ready. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Lisa was actually mad at me. It woke up the next morning and she was like, "What the heck? What are you talking about?" She's like, "How did you fall asleep that fast last night?" Yeah, and I was on my phone and I put my phone down, and according to her, within thirty seconds, I was doing. The heavy breathing. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, it's just, I can shut it down and, and I, I very rarely get an opportunity to do it, mm-hmm. but if I can take a nap on the weekends, mm-hmm. like a 30 minute nap yeah. and I'm just, I'm good to go, man. So, you know, at night I'm great. Like 20, 30 seconds, maybe a minute gone, but I, I've learned my routine. Okay. So, um, my routine is I don't, you know, I just get, get away from the TV. I don't get on my phone. And as soon as I get in bed, I just, you know, put my, I've got one of those, uh, chargers that you just put your phone on okay you plug it in yeah yeah and so i got a sleep cycle thing that kind of checks you know listens for you all night and tells you as much you snored or whatever mm-hmm. some some nights are better than others <laughs> in case jamie wasn't going to remind you you have uh, an app to do it well what it, quite honestly and she's probably going to listen to this 
I do it because if she complains that I did, I can look and say I really did or not. So I so I either know to argue <laughs> with Ronald her. Reagan trust but verify, right? That's right. I know, <laughs> I know to either argue with her about it or to go. I'm sorry. You know what, man? I tried to use one of those sleep apps, and my sleep went to heck because I was so worried trying to sleep but thinking about the sleep app. <laughs> it completely messed up my sleep patterns. Did it really? Yeah. Like I thought about it. I would wake up in the middle of the night like five or six times and check the sleep app. Like, oh man, I hope I'm sleeping well. Like. What the hell is wrong with you? So I'm going to give you a number when we're done with the podcast. You're a really good therapist. Dr. Weinstein. Dr. Weinstein. That's good. Um, one of the things I'd like to make note of, and I don't think we've ever said anything on the podcast since we started this series of Ricky Bobby, is we have, those of you that are watching on YouTube, we have our candle. What do you call these? What, what Sophie, what are the candles? It's a shrine candle. And uh, you probably can't see it. It's probably too far away, but it says St. Ricky. And it's a picture of Ricky with a halo um, in his Wonder Bread hat. And my favorite part is that his hands are doing the saint thing, right? So it's um, it's a very important part of the podcast. For those of you listening, you just kind of have to imagine it. But those of you on YouTube can see the greatness. You know, <clears throat> you took a very, very hard right turn. On that it actually took me a second to catch up with you because we were you? talking about sleep or something sleep apps and then all of a sudden you're talking about a candle and you wonder why okay. i can't why it takes me like 20 <laughs> minutes to take a nap i'm like what the heck is he talking about yeah but yeah. it is it is a wonderful candle and uh, I, I i think it adds to the ambiance and i think it was of all the gear that we bought for the podcast the hats and the shirts i think it was the most expensive thing that we bought yeah and, and what our viewers or, or listeners can't grasp or understand is the fact I think that the word you're is your thing that was appreciate appreciate whatever yeah, it, yeah. it's again i'm recovering from the weekend man um is that it smells like a mix between wonder bread big newtons and motor oil and you guys you guys don't have the ability to appreciate that <laughs> but it certainly adds that certain je ne sais quoi to the podcast which i feel is a, another french reference to uh, whatever i'm confused by your tactics yeah, yeah. another great reference. so let's you want know, to jump in Sure. So um, I had to write this one down because usually we just say them off the top of our head, but I have to write this one down because it's a lengthy quote. Um, and this actually um, is not one of Ricky's quotes and it's not one of Reese's quotes. Um, so the quote is, hey, Ricky, the doctor told us we should just let you work it out on your own in your own sweet time. But Ricky, you can walk. So this would be a really good time to play the clip. I've got to tell him. Uh, no. No, I don't care what the doctor said. we got to tell him now. Ricky, the doctor told us that we should let you work it out in your own sweet time, but, Ricky, you can walk. What would you just say? He's telling you the truth, man. It's all in your head. So let's talk about this clip. Let's talk about the clip and let's talk about the, the quote. Um, at first it's kind of a strange quote to do a podcast on, but, um, what I want to talk about today is so much of what we do in our professional life and our personal life is we're held back by our own mind. So just like Ricky, the reality is Ricky could walk. Ricky could perfectly walk, but in his mind, he was in that chair for the rest of his life. And so, um, if you've seen the movie and passed the clip, you know that he actually stabbed himself in the <laughs> in the in the leg with a knife and stands up and now he's excited he can walk, but he's in pain, right? The whole thing. So 
we hold ourselves back so much mentally for what we think we're capable of and what we can do when the reality we're really capable of just about anything. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, it's, it's an intriguing one for me because going through that a lot right now with, with my soon to be 18 year old with Peyton, right. And with football and, you know, so much of that to me lends itself to the, to the mindset about what it is that you're capable of and how we tend to self-sabotage ourselves sometimes. So we don't have to experience that fear or that failure. And right. with, with him right now, he's going through it with some of this, some of his football camps, you know, he got his first um, D2 offer. So he's feeling really good about that, but he, it's like he leads up to these camps and something pops up. His hamstring starts hurting. He can't find a football helmet. It's, you know, any number of these excuses and maybe that's unfair to say, but any, yeah. any number of these reasons or, or rationales inside of his mind of why he can't do it. And I see it exactly for what it is, mm-hmm. right? Maybe his hamstring hurts, whatever, right. but it's, it's, he gets so afraid to get out there because what happens if you're not, if, if you're not the top five of the camp, what right. happens if you're not named an all American on the tail end of this camp? Like there's a level of failure that's associated with putting yourself out there and trying hard. You have to be willing to accept that. Mm-hmm. And he's having a really hard time being able to learn and view failure as a growth moment as opposed to just something that's going to hold him back. I, I love that. And that's exactly kind of where I was going to go as well is, you know, what holds us back is not, it's not that we don't want to, but it's the fear of what if I can't, or what if I don't perform? And it usually comes from things that we've never done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know for me, you know, doing something for the first time, it, it's, it strikes fear in you. And it's not that I'm scared that I'm going to get hurt or I'm scared, but I'm going to look bad or I'm going to fail at this, or I'm not going to be as good as what I'd hoped I was going to be. And so we literally self-sabotage ourselves before we even start. And so much, so many times it turns out to be a self, a self-fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. of, I think I'm going to fail. And so I do fail. And it's almost a relief to us when we do. It's like, I knew I wouldn't be good at that, or I knew I couldn't do that. And so you just move on and never try it again. When the reality is, you know, you probably can do it. Right. It's that failure to launch or an excuse for why you can't do it allows you to stay inside of a comfort zone. And and you're going to feel external pressure. Like for me, you know, Mm -hmm. is his dad being like, look, buddy, like you can do it, push past it. Right. Right. Up to and including a level of frustration because I, I see it for what it is. Right. Right. Um, but he knows that comfort. He knows how to navigate his way through dad being frustrated with him about something mm-hmm. or mom being upset with him about something. But what he doesn't know how to navigate through is stepping off of that cliff into failure, right? right? And and how to deal with it, how to reconcile it, and how to move forward with it, right? Mm-hmm. So for him, he defaults back to, I'm going to come up with an excuse. I'm going to stay comfortable. Um, I'm going to deal with dad being upset. Dad will be over it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to move on with life, Right. right. And, um, you know, it's, it's so frustrating for me, but also there's so much growth within it is figuring out how to help the kid navigate his way through that mm-hmm. and really learn that failure is a driver and failure is a good thing as opposed to failure results in the end of something. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I man, just, this came to mind. I should have looked it up before we came in. Cause I can never remember exactly what each one of the C's, um, are about, but you remember, uh, I learned this at uh, strategic coach. The four C's. 
You remember that? Is that yeah. ring a bell? Yeah. So I can't, I can't remember which one of the four seasons, but I'll, I'll kind of talk around it and, and what it is. And it's something that I talked to my girls about. And you and I talked about it, about talking to our kids about it. Um, but, you know, it's, I know the first one is commitment. It's when there's something in front of us. Typically, we commit to something. Hey, I want to go to this football camp. I want to do a podcast. I want to try to learn to surf. I want to learn to ski. I want to learn to whatever, right? And so we, we literally commit to it. And then we get this conundrum about, oh, crap, I don't know how to do this. And that's where the fear hits, right? And and so when it hits, then that fear, and, and that's a lot of times where things stop. And so, but we, you know, but when we follow through with it, we figure out, we do it for the first time and we go, wow, I'm, I'm you know, I, I was able to accomplish it. I wasn't that great, but I do it again. And so um, once we accomplish it, then we look back and go, okay, I'm okay at that. I, I can actually, I did it. And I'm more comfortable with it. And then the I remember the last C is confidence. Yeah. And so thinking through, we commit to something. We hate what we're about to have to do because we're afraid we're going to fail. And even if we somewhat fail, we get through it and we do it. And then there's a thing of, oh, wow, I actually did that. And it worked. It wasn't exactly like I wanted it to happen. But then I get confidence that I can now do that. And so I did that. I talked with my girls about that when they were younger. And the idea behind it is if we know that's the process of what's going to happen before we go through it, then we know on the other end, when I get done, I'm going to have confidence that I can do it. So anything that you've done in life, just about anything that you've ever tried from the time you're, you know, conscious of two years old to really remember things. Those are things we went through is I don't know how to do that, but we committed to do it. And we got, we did it. Maybe it wasn't that great, but we did it. And we, we learned that we could do it. And then we have a confidence now that, okay, I've done that before and I can do it. So you think about anything in your life. Think about the first time you drove a car. You know, I, I'm, I'm behind the wheel. I, I said, I want to do this. I want to learn to drive. I get behind the wheel and I'm scared to death. But you do it and, you know, you may hit a curb or whatever else. But when you get done, you, you're alive and you you've drove and you kind of get a feel for it and you go, okay, that wasn't so bad. So next time you get in the car, it's much more confident. Right. right. And then now do we even think about it? You just hop in there. You, you know, you start it up and you go, you can decide the hardest part is trying to know how am I going to get to where I'm going, but you don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. And think about how many times you've done that in your life, but it took the first time to get through that to actually have confidence that I can, I can do this. So if we know ahead of time that we're about to try something new, but we know the steps that we're going to go through to do it mentally, the steps that we're going to commit to it. It's going to be really difficult. We're going to get through it. And at the end, we're going to have confidence. Then you know what the end result is going to be. Right. And that helps you go through it. So there's something about that, no matter what we do, that we know if we try to commit to something, we do it, that there's going to be a confidence at the end that, okay, it wasn't so bad. I can do it. Um, you know, we, this 4th of July, we had all the kids out to the lake. And so we were uh, doing some surfing right behind the boat. Mm -hmm. And my two son-in-laws, um, Brendan, who we've talked about, Sophie's husband, he's been doing this. He, I mean, he, he's like, every time we get the lake, he's itching to go out, you know, was, he's nice about it, but he's ready to go. And Kyle, which is my oldest, uh, her husband, um, 
he was a little bit more timid about it and, you know, not sure. And it took him, you know, he had never done it before. So once he kind of started getting up, getting behind the boat, holding the rope, but this last weekend, um, he got, we'd throw the rope back and he, I was actually surfing for like 30, 45 seconds behind the boat, just doing great. And something, when that clicked, man, the fun part took over. Like, he's like, I'm all in, I'm ready. Like every time we go out, I want to go out now. So he has a confidence now. And now, now that he did it once, he knows he can do it again. And the, that's where the fun starts. And it's, it's that way for a lot of things. It's what, for work, you know, once we figure out how to do something, think about the first time you got a spreadsheet and you had an Excel spreadsheet and you had to figure this thing out and how to do those crappy formulas. Right. So I'm older than you. They're not, nowadays they're somewhat automated. You, yeah. Back in my day, you had to memorize how mm -hmm. to do it. But once you kind of figure out how to do it, then you kind of get more comfortable with it. But the first time is really difficult. PowerPoint, Word document, you know, anything that you do from, you know, a skill thing and typing for the first time, it, it's, it's always scary at first, but once you do it a few times, you get confidence. Like, yeah, I can do a spreadsheet or I can create a PowerPoint or I can do, I can type, but it took that first time. And so there's those mental blocks we have that tell us you can't. And once we push through those, we gain a confidence. So for me, the lesson for me is pushing through that and getting that and knowing that there's going to be confidence at the end gives you the confidence to know that there's no way I can fail at this, mm -hmm. right? What, and it maybe goes back to also definition of failure. You know, to me, the biggest failure can be is just not trying. Yeah. That's the worst. When you think about what ultimately ends up being part of our makeup and we get older, it's, it's about experiences, right? Experiences that we have the courage to do and try and then ultimately love and gain confidence from, mm -hmm. but it's also equally a collection of things that we do. We try, we don't like, mm -hmm. and we gain confidence in being okay with the things that we don't like. Right. Right. And I think that's the other side of it is, you know, another football analogy is remember the Oklahoma drill growing up. Oh yeah. There was a lot of soccer players, a lot of baseball players made from an Oklahoma drill. Yeah, right? for sure. And you know, for, for those that don't know, you know, it's set up within a confined <laughs> space and oftentimes there were tackling dummies, tackling on, the dummies side, on both sides. And it was one it was one tackler and it was one 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 person running the ball and they'd start on their back, coach would blow the whistle, guy would run the ball, get up and just try to basically run through the other person. Taught yeah. it, it taught, you know, I think ostensibly tackling form and technique, but right. it just taught a whole lot of toughness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there were a lot of kids on the tail end of that 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 realized it was really fun to talk about playing football. It was really cool to put these pads on and be mm -hmm. part of a team, but I really didn't like getting hit in the mouth. Yeah. Right. They still have the, cur the courage and the confidence to try it, but then on the tail end of it, realize that it's okay to say, <laughs> this ain't for me. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times after that drill and the first time these kids start, start hitting, the team winnows down in size or winnows down in, in the kids that want to play the skilled positions that are going to put them in the position where they either have to hit or be hit. Right. right. And so it just gets smaller. And, but so much of that, again, is predicated on the confidence to try it, experience mm -hmm. it, realize that, A, A I, I didn't die, right? Mm -hmm. right? But B, it's not, it's not for me, right? right? And you go back to things like spreadsheets, right? Um, you know, going through an MBA program, quantitative analysis. I, I did it. I needed to do it because it was part of, part of the curriculum. But I realized that I don't want to be an analyst. No. And what I want to do is hire somebody who's really good at being an analyst and let mm -hmm. them leverage their strength. But I still had... <clears throat> had the courage to do it and try it and experience mm -hmm. it, but know that I didn't like it at the end. And that was okay too. But what's cool is, but because you don't want to do it, but you do understand what it's about, 
when you deal with analysts, you better understand where their head's at and what they're trying to do and what they're going to accomplish and the way their mindset works in being that person, right? Mm-hmm. So taking A-Train for us, right? He's a data guy, loves data. Um, man, my, I don't love data. That's not my thing. But to understand him and know how to use his strengths of being a data guy is awesome. I, I tried it and not good. It was ugly. Right. But because I did, I better understand what tools are available or what data is available. And so it helps me be big picture and ask him, hey, what if we use this data to do this? I don't know how you would do it, but is it possible? And he loves digging in and figuring that stuff out. But if I wouldn't have tried it for the first time, right? You know, then it wouldn't have made sense. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to have the ideas to to go forward. I totally agree. And taking this thing all the way back to the round around to the top is, you know, Peyton. You know, it is getting somebody past that point of fear to trying it and then ultimately experiencing that failure. And you know, where I struggled was finding the balance of pushing too hard and becoming the scapegoat for why they either have to do it or, or don't do it and then letting them experience it on their own. You know? So what, what I found for me is in that type of situation, if it's a, if it's a kid or maybe even a colleague or a spouse or something is step away and let a third party person come in and help is it, it provides a completely different level of perspective and it removes you from being the reason why they couldn't or wouldn't try in that type of situation. Another reason it's not always good to be your kid's coach. How about never? Yeah. Been yeah. down that road a couple of times. Yeah, it? I was for a while, and it was kind of fun, but, you know. It, it hits a point where it's not. Yeah. So I, I knew that we were probably uh, not going to have a career in softball when um, I was coaching, <laughs> and Sophie was in the outfield eating the flowers in the outfield and uh, wondering why she didn't feel very good afterwards. What kind of flowers? I don't, what kind of flowers were they? You remember? Yeah, purple weed flowers. I don't know what that means, but. Yeah, so <laughs> and the, okay. the good news is I don't think people let their dogs in there very much, so I don't think dogs peed on it. But um, you know, it probably was not the best thing in the world to do. Or maybe it was because she found out that she shouldn't eat. She had the courage to eat flowers and you know, have the, the confidence it, I, to realize I don't put it she shouldn't eat flowers. At the I don't end put it past her still do it though. She <laughs> loves the flowers. I don't. Would you eat flowers anymore? You you done with flowers eating? I was gonna say there's some oh, yeah. delicious edible flowers, and they do, and they taste like pepper. Yeah, they're pretty good. It's going down a whole different path. Um, so back to the Oklahoma drill. Did you like being the tackler or the guy with the ball? Tackler. Yeah, because it's it's a matter of hitting someone in the mouth or getting hit in the mouth. Right. But you know what? Because because I, I when I was back in my glory days, which were not very well, glorious, which were not very helmets and not very glorious. Too, so that, that was a whole different <laughs> right leather helmets. Um, I was a I played defense and offense, so I was a fullback and a free safety, which is very weird. Yeah, strange combination, but um, I love being able to hit. I love looking the guy's eyes when he has the ball. Like he gets up off his back, and he has a look of fear in his eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna. You're just gonna take him out, right? That's you're gonna send him to soccer. Yeah. And but to me, more more fun than that was to get up and see some guy that's looking to knock your head off and do a spin move. And him just blow right by you. And literally, like, he's going so hard at you that he just falls on his face. And you just turn around after you've run through the dummies. Turn around and look at him like, dude, what's up? Well, That, uh, that was the greatest feeling. Yeah, and, and either way, the, you know, the, the, the guy running the ball and the guy tackling, you, you make eye contact. And you know in that moment mm-hmm. who, who the alpha male is going to be. Yeah. Right? And, and it's pretty rare 
where it's it's equal force on equal force. Normally, yeah. it's somebody gets timid, and at the last minute, they tend to they, they the tense up, pull back, thing you can do. and they just get blown out of their shoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good times, though. Yeah, absolutely. Fun, I, fun I, times. I can't figure out why I have headaches. <laughs> CTE <laughs> but, is a thing. I'll tell you yeah. what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good times, man. It is. So we'll we'll wrap up with that. Um, so kind of wrapping everything back up again. That so many times the limiting factor of of how we perform and what we're capable of is in our minds, and it's so much the fear of failure limits us to try something um, that we may be really good at. And so, you know, the saddest thing in the world is someone that has a gift but is too afraid to try to use it because they don't know they have it. And so many times that they never find that gift because they never try. Um, I tried to play the guitar once. Gavin, it's not my gift. I could have told you that before you tried. It was, it was, I'm so bad at rhythm that I couldn't even hold a strum for more than 30 seconds at a time. I've never even tried because I know. Like, look, I'm, I'm all you about. Could, you could be the next Eddie Van Halen, though. But here's the thing. I, I'm all about trying to make myself better but within the things that I, that I'm good at, right. I could go kick my window out and jump. And no matter how hard I flap my arms, I'm not going to turn into a bird. And uh, what's going to happen is I'm going to try really hard for those fleeting couple of seconds and I'm going to smack the ground at terminal velocity. So it's the same thing playing the guitar. I know it's not, it's, it's not part of who I am. I'm not that artistic type of person. So I'm not going to waste my money on the guitar. I'm not going to waste my money on the pick and I'm not going to waste other people's ears bleeding for, for something that I just know that I'm not good at. I'd rather yeah. impress them with my comedy skills or with my oh. ravaging good looks or wow. my, just my amazing personality. I can see a podcast that is uh, improv comedy. So I'll, I'll just basically go, okay, this is improv comedy podcast. Uh, dive and go. Yeah, let's go. And I won't tell you ahead of time. I'm just going to, I'll tell you it's a topic, something different. And then when we actually start rolling, I'm going to say, we're not talking about that. It's improv comedy because it wouldn't be improv if it wasn't. Right. Hey, which is something I'm actually, yeah. And you know, like I, we can do the, the, the match wits game with just about anybody, but that's a, that's a topic for another day. Yeah. But I, I think you, you wouldn't be good at just coming up with stuff. You have to engage, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have somebody that allows you to smack them in the head oh, yeah. verbally. I love it. I know, I know you, <laughs> you, if you if you're not on YouTube watching this, um, he just lit up really good. Hundred percent. So, so we'll, we'll end there. So uh, yeah. thanks for the uh, thanks, Mr. Wonderbread, and I'd like to uh, do a shout out to Wonderbread, which I'm not sure they're even around anymore. No, they I, are. I think are they? I think I so. thought they got bought out by uh, Be was it Bebo Bread Bebo out of Mexico? Was it Bebo? Are you just making stuff up? No, now? I'm dead serious. Have you been drinking too much laughing clown malt liquor? Um, no, actually I haven't. But <laughs> you know, I actually tried to find if there's a real thing. And they make a beer that is has the logo on it. And uh, I had a feeling it wouldn't be very good, so I didn't even order any. Yeah, I don't think it's worth it. So anyway, we'll, we'll I'll finally shut up and end it there. Yeah, let's go. All right, thanks.